hello and welcome back to another episode. So I'm in my Honda Fit right now doing another driving episode. Uh, This is being recorded on my lapel mic. And in this episode, I really want to touch on human addiction and how businesses are still being able to capitalize on human addiction even though it is killing humans and harming humans and slowing down humans. So the the biggest one is the it has the the word big in the title, big tobacco. Big tobacco it, 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 it still astonishes me to this day that we, the people, we, the humans, are still allowing for cigarettes to be sold. Everybody on this planet knows someone who has died a horrible death from a cigarette-related illness. People who are in power know someone who has died from a cigarette-related illness. And yet, year after year, we, we the people do nothing to stand up and shut down big tobacco. They continue to make millions and billions of dollars off of the suffering of people. And this is, this is coming to a head right now because of nicotine. And nicotine is now um, the number one uh, ingredient in the vapes. So everyone is vaping and now everyone can't stop vaping because they're addicted to the nicotine. So the thing that really got to me was Juul. So Juul comes along and they say, we're going to make a product that is going to help switch people from these rat poisoning, rat poison cigarettes to a healthy vaporizer. So we're going to get people who are addicted to cigarettes, we're going to get them to quit smoking and start vaping. So Juul starts to gain notoriety, it starts to gain popularity, and people who are longtime cigarette smokers start to switch over. So what they said they were trying to do, they did. They got people to convert. And then, sadly, they went a little too far. They started to, to realize that not only can we get cigarette smokers to convert, but we can also get people who have never smoked to start. So now Jewel realized that they can get the young, youthful mind that is very malleable and very persuadable. They can get that youth and they can get them addicted to nicotine, which as we know with cigarettes, it can be a lifelong struggle. It can be a life of pain and fucking agony. Nicotine is 
it might as well be strychnine. It might as well be freaking, I, I, I don't even know. I mean, I know nicotine itself is, it, it, it can kill you in large doses. It, it can kill you if you get it on your finger. Um, I know that. I know that's a fact. But I also know that it, it can be good for um, for different brain functions. So it, it itself is not an evil. But when you apply it to a vaporizer that is sending vapors into your lungs, that is the evil. That is where you get into trouble because we don't know what the hell that is doing. We don't know. And we continue to... Um, so anyways, so so then they, they go off track and they start to sell it to teens. And I think they said at one point it was like one out of five teens is vaporizing. Or maybe it was one out of three. It was some crazy number. And um, so then that got, that got, you know, lawmakers uh, and people who can affect change. It got them to... to notice oh the teens oh the teens we gotta we gotta shut down this this jewel infestation on our teens you know because we love our teens and it's like no you dumb fucks big tobacco is still producing cigarettes that teens are smoking and they're getting all kinds of cancer throughout their whole body you're not stopping big tobacco, are you? No. You literally shut Jewel down, yet big tobacco, who's probably paying your mortgage, talking to you, people who affect change, they're probably paying your mortgage, and so you're not going to say anything about big tobacco because you are gaining financial wealth from big tobacco and big tobacco is making billions off the suffering of our people. I don't understand how this is still something that we are just sitting back going, oh, yeah, keep keep selling that product. That would be like me saying, I'm going to sell a toy for a kid that when he plays with it, it is slowly going to take years off of his life. But guess what? He's going to have so much fun. Would you buy that product for your kid? No. Would that product exist in this world? No. But yet, oh, when they're 18, they can buy a pack of cigarettes that is literally taking years off of their life. Fun fact about Jewel, I learned this from someone that I picked up driving for Lyft. I picked up these young kids and they were probably, you know, seniors in high school or something. I don't know. But we were talking about vaping and we were talking about like, you know, how many people do you know that vape? And she, and she goes, I know a lot of people. And then, um, then she's mentioned that she needed to get a pack of cigarettes. And I said, you know, why don't you vape? That's, that's healthier for you. And she said, this is what she said, which I'll never forget. She said, vaping is too expensive. It's cheaper to buy cigarettes. I said, what did you do first, vaping or cigarettes? She said, vaping. 
I was shocked, to say the least. Shocked. I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, this product that was designed to switch kids or kids or adults away from cigarettes onto the vaping has now become the gateway to the cigarette. So, and that and that's just cigarettes. That's not even alcohol. Now, alcohol is a completely other shitstorm, okay? I love it in in I love it in small portions. I love it when someone who can consume it and have a great time, those people are awesome. But it, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the ones who get behind the wheel and crash the car. I'm talking about the ones who get half a bottle in them and start to physically beat the shit out of their wives. I'm talking about the kids who get drunk enough and don't realize that this this chick they're hooking up with is not the one they're supposed to be with and then they get her pregnant. I'm talking about all of the negative consequences of alcohol and yet we're still selling this stuff. We're still selling it the same way we've been selling it since the prohibition was ended. There's been no change. There has been no Maybe we should do something a little bit differently. Maybe we should put a higher price tag on this stuff. Put a higher price tag on alcohol, you get less people to buy it. You get the people who actually can possibly handle themselves with it, who are willing to pay a premium to get this elixir. Um, Not to mention that if you surveyed homeless people, I could guarantee you that over 50% of all homeless consume alcohol whenever they can. Guaranteed. Cigarettes and alcohol. I have not seen a homeless person in Indianapolis who was not either trying to get a cigarette, smoking a cigarette, trying to get alcohol, or drinking alcohol. Period. The end. So, we have a problem. The problem is the negative consequences of alcohol and the fact that these giant billion dollar breweries, these giant alcohol industries are not being, they're not being held accountable for people who are literally dying or destroying their lives because of their product. That would be like, that'd be like an automobile company selling a car that as you drive it more and more, you destroy your relationship with your wife because the car is fucking up your relationship. You would, The car would be stripped from this earth and it would be destroyed. They would never sell. Yet, we continue to sell alcohol. So, I get very, very passionate about the destruction of humans and it's a it's a slow death and i think because it's a slow death and because we go oh that human made choices to get to the point they that they're at where they look like they're dying from alcohol poisoning or cigarettes no 
These products are hyper addictive, hyper addictive. Alcohol withdrawals will kill you, heroin withdrawals will not. Let me repeat that. People will die from not drinking enough alcohol if they have consumed it for too long, meaning over a certain amount of years, they will die like Amy Winehouse did from alcohol withdrawals. But a heroin addict that injects black tar heroin into his arm or her arm will not die if they don't get a fix the next day. But alcohol will kill you if you don't consume it after you've consumed it for too long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yet, every sporting event, what are we seeing? Budweiser. Bud Light. And now there's the, there's the, uh, the new one, uh, White Claw. Don't get me wrong. I drink alcohol. I don't drink it often. I think alcohol is a tool. I think that if you have one beer here or there, it can actually be very healthy. I think if you have a glass of wine here or there, it can be very healthy. As long as you don't build a habit and as long as you don't turn to it in a time of need. That's a whole nother subject. Television and movies and our society have basically taught us that if we have a problem, the first thing we must do is turn to alcohol. When a character in a TV show breaks up with his girlfriend and he's sad and he's down, the first thing that the characters do around him is, come on, let's go get a drink. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna drown your sorrows. When someone loses a loved one, the first thing people do is, let's, let's get the bottle, let's get some wine, let's start drinking. So we're being bombarded with alcohol ads and we don't know it. We don't realize it, but those are actually alcohol ads. That is the alcohol industry going to the television and finding a way to get their ads across without using an ad. The same thing was said for cigarettes, but we have since completely stripped all cigarettes from television and from most movies. But vaping is now coming into the television. I've, I've now seen vaping several times on television and that may become the whole new cigarette. So we'll have to see. But the bottom line is that once you become 21, and let's say that you've gone through college, or you haven't gone through college, once you turn 21, every single thing that you are supposed to do revolves around alcohol. Everything, to the point where just to go play a sport, golf, I used air quotes there, just to go play a sport, you have to consume massive amounts of alcohol 
to say, oh yeah, that was a good golf session with my buddies. That was good. Or we're going hunting. What are we bringing? Masses amounts of alcohol. Oh, we're going bowling. What are we consuming? Pitchers. Get us pitchers. We're, we're slamming beers. We're going to play pool. What are we gonna have with our pool? Oh, we're gonna have alcohol. So once you get to the quote unquote adult setting, alcohol becomes not only readily available, but it becomes the, the second to every event. And it's really funny when you are surrounded by people who are social drinkers and slash alcoholics and they meet someone and the guy goes, or girl, goes, yeah, I don't drink. And they literally act like this person is from another planet. They're like, what do you mean you don't drink? You don't drink ever? Oh, why? Are you on probation? Do you have an allergy? Are you religious? It's like you have to be an other to not consume masses amounts of alcohol. And it is it is just you know, it's so bizarre. I spent I spent probably I would say from 12 years old to 17 I consumed alcohol uh, readily. And I would say by the time I was 13 and a half, going on 14, I was partying and, and drinking alcohol like I was an adult. Um, we, would, we would all pull in money and we would buy alcohol, you know, using a bum, or we would go to parties where they had alcohol. Um, and to us, to me, alcohol was a way to settle my nerves so that I could potentially, uh, talk to a female. I was very insecure. And when I consumed alcohol and I smoked pot, that was my superpower. I was good to go. Now I'm ready to attempt to, you know, to, um, hook up with, with a female and, you know, do, do what I'm supposed to do, at least supposed to do to the point of that's what society, the people around me were telling me to do. They weren't using words saying do it, but literally that, that, that was, that was my environment that I was in. And I lived in a, in a very, um, you know, uh, simple suburbs, um, you know, middle, middle to upper class suburbs. And, you know, um, and I hung out with, with kids who, whose parents were, you know, were working class people. And, um, and so I consumed probably enough alcohol for my entire life in those, in those years. And, um, then when I, when I turned 17, I had a traumatic accident that happened to me and I completely went clean. I said, I'm not going to consume any alcohol. I'm not going to consume any marijuana. I'm not going to consume any drugs. And I went completely straight and I saw the world from the eyes of someone who was sober. And then when I turned, um, 
uh, 26 or 27, 25, um, 26, 27, something like that. I don't know. One of those years, um, I started driving for Uber and I started to hang out with people or not hang out, but I would pick up people who were going to and from bars and going to and from parties and they were living the life of social drinkers. And I was living vicariously through them. And in, and then I began dating and, you know, um, of course, before you, you know, before I would go on a date, I would always take a little shot of vodka or something and then go on the date. And that calmed my nerves and it made me a more, um, you know, uh, less nervous person and, you know, more charming and whatnot. So to me, it was a tool. It was a tool to get my, myself calm and ready to have a, a, you know, a nice meal, a good night of uh, drinking and hanging out and whatever. Um, and of course, once I was able to, you know, build up enough confidence uh, in, in dating women, I, I no longer needed that first drink to settle the nerves. I was, I was, you know, perfectly comfortable meeting new people without having to um, drink beforehand. So I stopped doing it. Um, but then I, but then I, you know, each person that I would date would always, for a while there, it was like they always smoked pot and drank alcohol. So I became a social drinker and I started drinking, you know, with my, the, the girls that I would date. Um, and you know, we would stay out until, you know, two, three, four in the morning, um, drinking and just like hanging out in Indianapolis and, um, you know, exploring the city and meeting new people and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, so then I met someone who was, um, on probation and she couldn't drink. So then, and it was right around the time when I, I had just broken up with someone and I was coming to the very, I was coming to the end of drinking. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm waking up feeling like shit. I'm overweight. I don't like this anymore. I, I didn't like it. I wanted out. I, I was, I was ment mentally shot and I was just done. I was like, I want out of this, this world of drinking. So I meet this girl, she's on probation. Funny thing was she was on probation because she got a DUI. That's right. Ding, ding, ding. Winner. Um, So, so uh, basically, from from dating her to th then meeting my fiance, who also um, uh, was not a uh, she was not an aggressive drinker. She, you know, which was very attractive. Tra I, I was very attracted to that. I was like, wow, I I respect that you can go days without drinking. And when we go out, you don't order drinks all the time. And so to me, it was, it was a sign of, this is a good person for me. That, that, that's what I was getting. And 
also I had become, you know, completely sober. I was not into drinking. I didn't drink at all. I have never been the type that turned to alcohol to solve my problems. I think if you are listening to this and you turn to alcohol to solve your problems or you know someone who turns to alcohol to solve their problems, you need help, they need help. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not saying that in I'm a you know better than you way. But what I'm saying is society is wrong. They have taught you wrong. You should never, ever turn to alcohol to solve your problems. A, alcohol is a depressant. B, all you're doing is suppressing that problem, which will eventually come back later and bite you in the ass. You are going to pay for it later on because it's all going to fester. It's all going to fester. Best thing to do is to fight through it, dig deep into hobby, go deep into work, you know, just fill yourself full of work. Just don't stop. That that is literally the best thing you could do. Never turn to alcohol. Alcohol is a tool. You should use alcohol to to better a situation, not to drown sorrows. But anyways, so I, I never turned to alcohol for for you know I, I I've always been a person that turns to health. If I'm feeling down, that's because my health is down. That means I need to boost something. I need to I need to exercise, I need to eat better, I need to take my vitamins, I need to take some supplements. Something has to change because I'm not feeling optimal. And oftentimes people who are stuck in the alcohol cycle will not feel optimal, but then the alcohol gets in their system and all of a sudden they feel optimal again. So it's a very vicious cycle. You continue to feed and feed and feed and feed and you just basically break down and break down and break down. You gain weight, you lose, um, you lose sleep, you lose memory, uh, you lose relationships, you lose, sometimes you lose your entire freaking life. Um, so, so that's alcohol. Now we could go down, <clears throat> we can go down the rabbit of big pharma. Big Pharma, Big Pharma is the largest drug dealer on the planet. The largest drug dealer on the planet. They make drugs that are 20 times more addictive than heroin. Okay? They are the largest drug dealer on the planet. And I'm not saying that they don't do good. And I'm not saying they didn't start from somewhere good. But if I was going to sum up Big Pharma in a nutshell, I would say they lost their way and big business gobbled up all their souls. It's that simple. Big business when they get involved in anything, all humanity goes out the window. All godliness goes out the window. And all you're left with is ones and fucking zeros. Okay? 
There's nothing good at the end of the day when you let big business run your company. And that's what's happening. And it's only gonna get worse as we get further and further into algorithms and other forms of automation that will continue to make businesses change and adapt to better their bottom line, to better their wallet, to fatten it up. And I, I hate to say it, but I, I want to see Big Pharma fall. I want to see them pay for what they have done. I mean, just look at the opiate crisis. These people are monsters, literal monsters. They know exactly what they're doing. They're pushing all the right buttons. They're making everything happen so that humans suffer and they get richer. That's fucking greed and that's evil. I don't believe in religion, but I do believe in right and wrong and I do believe in good and evil. I believe that those are human instincts. Those are human traits, not not a godly trait. They are something that that we have within us, which allows us to function in a society where we don't kill the person next to us. It's that simple. So when you have a company like Big Pharma, which is basically the largest drug dealer on the planet, I don't know if I said that already, (laughs) but they literally are so corrupt, so destructive, and yet they walk around with smiles and pretty colors and and people that just constantly say nice things about them. I mean, you go into any doctor nowadays, 2019, you go into any doctor and the first thing they're, they're doing is they're sizing you up to figure out, A, how much money can I put in my pocket from you? B, how much money can I make by higher-ups? my businesses and whatnot, um, how much money can, can they get from this one human? That is, that's inhuman. That's not right. That's not the way that this was supposed to end up. Hospitals were a place you went to in a time of need and people were standing there who wanted to help other humans. These were true humanitarians. These were true healers. They weren't healers in the sense of a woo-woo shit. They were healers in the sense that they truly wanted to see you better. Now you go into the doctor and they sit there and they just size you up and they kick you out. That's it. They take your money, kick you out. And it seems like every... Every half decade, a new documentary comes out where it basically says, hey, these guys are all corrupt, they're all rotten, and they should be shut down. Do they get shut down? No. Does anything change? No. That's because these companies are paying everybody. Everyone is getting paid off. And they're all just... They're all just drinking their alcohol, snorting their cocaine, 
and saying, eh, I'll be dead in 40 years. I don't give a fuck. No, it's probably not true. I wouldn't say all of them. But you definitely know someone who knows someone that's like that. But anyways, my point in this podcast right now is we're living in a society where we are destroying humans' lives. We are destroying potential. Literally, we are destroying potential. Anyone who smokes cigarettes is less of a provider to society than someone who doesn't smoke cigarettes. Anyone who consumes masses amounts of alcohol is not providing to society. Anyone who is hooked on drugs is not providing to society. Just imagine all those people, all of these people, that's millions of people who are not optimal. They're not even running at 50%. We talk about a thriving society. We talk about a thriving um, stock market. We talk about breakthroughs in, in health and breakthroughs in science. And yet, we're still slowly killing our people. If this was an enemy, if alcohol, drugs and tobacco, if that was a foreign enemy coming onto U.S. soil, we would point our motherfucking guns at their faces and we would blow them away because they are trying to harm our people. And yet our people are being harmed every single day and no one does anything. If I become president, I will literally go to war on those three things. I'm not going to say that I will eradicate alcohol or helpful drugs, but what I'm saying is big tobacco and the overuse of alcohol and the, the overprescribed society will be gone. The, the people who are living at less than 50% optimization will be gone. They, they, they will be 75% and up. And I'm not saying put them in a workout camp, but what I'm saying is that we have to change the mindset of humans from a society where we barely get by to a society where we're thriving. The more people that are thriving and not beaten down by their burdens of fucking big tobacco, alcohol, and drugs, the moment we can eradicate that is the moment that we, as a United States, can come together and thrive. Vote for Lucas. Vote for Lucas. I'm not running for president. I'm, I'm just saying that, that if someday you see my name, Lucas Hickey, on a ballot sheet, just do your due diligence. Just check it off. Because I don't have any ties to anyone anywhere. So I would be the perfect person to go into office and start to affect change. I think anyone 
who's not tied to any political background or, or tied to any certain group would be perfect to run this country. And I think I think it's it's simple and it's it's a three-step process. Tobacco, alcohol, drugs. There's a there's an entire organization that is well it's it's firearms too. That's a whole nother subject. I'm not gonna get into that. But anyways, vote for Lucas. We're gonna affect change. Anyways, alright, that's my rant. That's my uh, that's my driving podcast. Um, I hope that you got some form of information, some form of of empowerment, something from this podcast. I'm always striving to help and and enlighten. Um, if you feel passionate like I do, you know, send in a voice message. Um, you know, tweet at me, email me, something, you know, get get your words to me and you know I, I think that we need to we need to have an open discussion about more more topics that are just being pushed under the rug. But uh, yeah. Alright. Well thank you so much for listening to my podcast and I will catch you guys in the next one. Um, Are you still there? Okay, you're still there. Yeah. I didn't really leave a big enough pause after that. But if you're you're still listening, um, I want you to go to my description, click on the Patreon uh, link, go to Patreon. If If you support my podcast, that would be amazing. The littlest amount would would help. You can do a one-time donation or you can do a a subscription. Whatever you want to do, I would absolutely love it. Um, If you like my voice, if you like what I'm talking about, if you like my consistency with uploads, um, please support me. If you don't want to do Patreon, you can do Anchor. Um, Anchor has uh, the ability to sponsor uh, podcasts. Um, you don't have to be a company to do it. Anyone can do it. Um, I might have missed my exit. Oh no, I did. Crikey's. Oh well. Alright. If <laughs> Sorry about that. Um... Yeah, once again, thank you so much for lending me your ears, and I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. This is an ad for Meaning of Lucas. Meaning of Lucas is a podcast that you are obviously listening to, and I, Lucas, would thank you so much if you supported me in any way. Um, you can go to Patreon and support me. Uh, there's a link on my page. Um, or you could also go to Anchor and support me there. Um, any amount would help, um, whether it's a monthly or yearly 
or just a single donation, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, I'm just trying to increase my my quality and and make my episodes better so that you guys get better. <laughs> so yeah, it would be amazing if you guys you know supported me in any way. So that's it. That's my ad. Um, I thank you so much once again, like always, for for listening, lending me your ears, and I love you guys. <laughs>